Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host uh, Ted Odorico, and this is going to be our last show of the 2015 season. As I've uh, mentioned in all of the social media uh, posts that I've done in the last day or so, and we're going to wind up uh, what has been really a successful season for the show. And uh, we're going to have uh, some great uh, people joining me tonight uh, here on the Coach's Corner panel. Um, as we uh, get ready to start here in just a few moments. But let me remind everybody that uh, we are live tonight from uh, from starting here at 6 o'clock and uh, probably only going to be uh, an hour to an hour and a half tonight in, in total of the show. I'm going to cut a little bit shorter tonight, just being that it's the last show of the of the um, season. And uh, after the panel discussion, I'm going to have a few uh, messages that I'm going to relay about uh, next year and, and some of the exciting things I'm going to be doing with the program and that. And then we'll uh, wrap it up with a final message from me um, in, in lieu of the uh, holiday spirits coming up. But uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember, we are always live on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, up in the search key, type Golf Talk Live, and that will bring you to the show. And a great time through the holidays. If you haven't had a chance to uh, keep up with all of the different programs, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live. And when you get to the home page, you can scroll down, and that will take you to the on-demand section uh, where you can listen to uh, some of the previously uh, aired and broadcast uh, shows as they are all auto-recorded. But you are uh, live tonight with me, so thank you very much for joining us. And don't forget, you're always welcome, including tonight, uh, to speak uh, during the live broadcast to either myself or any of the guests, and we would always encourage uh, you to call in. And the number, of course, is area code 646-716-4667. And you can also uh, email any questions or comments to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, always update on social media, of course, as you all are aware of, those of you that tune in any sort of regularity, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash blog. That's the homepage for Golf Talk Live. And you can, uh, of course, like the page while you're there. Appreciate that. And you can also uh, leave any comments or post any uh, 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 it, you know comments or, or um, questions that you may have uh, with upcoming shows or, or guests that might be on the show, and I'll do my best to, uh, to get that information out. Uh, also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO, and CEO, of course, is in uh, capital letters. Uh, as I mentioned, I've got a great Coach's Corner panel. I had a good chuckle here off the air. Uh, got a little bit of confusion with, uh, with the, the guests here, but um, I think I've got it straightened out now. Um, joining here, of course, uh, he's been on the show many, many times, uh, Clint Wright. He's a 30-year member of the PGA. He's also a partner at TGM Golf, uh, and he and his other partners uh, were on here a few weeks ago. Uh, he's a big proponent of the R3 approach. Of course, they were talking about that, as you remember. Uh, and he's, in my opinion, one of the best covering the short game today. Uh, plus, one of my favorite guests and panelists here on the Coach's Corner. And uh, we're going to welcome him in just a second. Uh, also up uh, on the show is Pete Buchanan. Uh, Pete is the founder and owner of Plain Simple Golf, LLC. Uh, Plain Simple Golf houses the uh, Plain Simple Golf circuit and the Simple Swing 
uh, repeater training brace, which he's talked about here in the show as well. And he's taught for over 30 years as well. And Pete has uh, really been simplifying uh, the golf swing philosophy uh, in an effort really to make it simple uh, and, and quite uh, bluntly for, for players to get out and enjoy the game. And certainly last but not least is uh, Michael Wheeler. Uh, Michael Wheeler, of course, is on a little bit of hiatus right now. He had some surgery there a while back, as you may recall. Uh, but he's uh, jumped in tonight and uh, for a little bit. And he's a PGA certified professional teaching and uh, coaching. He's a director of instruction at the uh, Berkshire Country Club, and he's also Right Balance uh, uh, Technology Instructor, uh, Flight Scope and KVEST Level 2 Certified, and he's also Level 1 Golf uh, Biomechanist Instructor, certified by Dr. Young uh, Hu Kwan, and he's also a member of the Philadelphia PGA Instruction Committee. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the last show of Golf Talk Live for 2015. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and, and hopefully I got everything right here. Um, and we may end up having another one join us. I'm not sure. I, I think I had sent the word out, but we'll, we'll see as the evening goes. But anyways, guys, what I wanted to do tonight, uh, since it was the last show of the year, uh, and as I was starting to mention to you guys off air, uh, you know, rather than getting into a bunch of uh, technical questions, I wanted to really treat this as a show of reflection. Uh, I'm obviously reflecting back on a number of things in my career, in my life, uh, as I know you are. Uh, this time of year, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to share maybe some stories um, throughout our careers, maybe some people that we've helped, um, both some of the good and, and maybe some of the ones that we uh, didn't get uh, the best results that we'd hoped for. So um, the first question, Clint, uh, as always, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Um, sure. I'd like you to start with maybe, was there a turning point in your profession uh, as your as a professional uh, or a defining moment in your career that you decided sort of everything had come together and you know, to a, uh, to an understanding uh, of what you believed and what you were teaching uh, your students. Well, you know, uh, Ted, I'm not so sure that that I have. I mean, I um, continue, most like other instructors do, continue to look for different ways, and different things, and you know, with the technology that has uh, come through from the time I started teaching to to where we're at now. You know, some of my early perceptions and early understandings um, may have changed dramatically, or right. you get to understand them more in depth. But but I, I guess probably if you um, if you get down to the point of where I started, I, I think I, I would have to give, um, you know, Dr. Gary Wiring a lot of credit for some of the things that he wrote early in my career um, that kind of gave me the idea of the approach, the step-by-step. Uh, approach we would take with students, I think, and I still I think rely on some of those ideas today, um, you know, and I think a lot of the R three comes out of some of those ideas as far right. as how how we started and and um, you know and and I think um, you know there's a lot of guys out there that that we've all looked up to and you know I started in the in the late 70s um, and a lot of people you know uh, Jim Flick. Tom, you know, uh, Toski, you know, a lot of those guys that, that we read back then when we were learning and trying to get better has, has maintained a pretty strong influence in the way I, I teach over the years. Uh, so as far as just a sentinel time or a day or, or a, a year, I, I right. don't think I had one of those, no. No. Um, and I think that you're right. I think it is a lot for, for most um for most people, uh, I think that it's sort of a, a, a continuing journey. Um, Pete, what about you? Was there was there a time? Do you think, or, or um, and not necessarily um, 
that everything sort of came together, but maybe you, you felt that, that things were moving on, on the track that you had sort of, um, um, you know, foresaw you, you going along. In other words, uh, you know, you've, you've had your training, you've, you've developed some of your experience and your knowledge along the way, and, and everything just sort of seemed to fall into place. Was there a time, do you think, um, or are you much like Clint, where it's still sort of a, an ongoing journey? Well, I know for me, there's, there's no question. It was when I was uh, fortunate enough to meet and work with John Jacobs. There's, that's been the biggest defining moment for me. Um, not only did I teach for their golf schools for 17 years, I got to work with John personally and uh, sit down and, and uh, ask him questions and and really, you know, stand out on the range and pick his brain as to, you know, why he did what he did. And there's no question that it was just invaluable uh, to where I was moving. You know, I tried to play, and um, when I taught, I got paid every week, and when I played, I didn't. So that was another defining moment, um, if, just to, to know that uh, – getting in with John and those guys and, and really seeing golf instruction in a whole different light um, from what I was taught growing up and not only from uh, just the way it was taught, but the simplicity of how it was taught. Um, you know, I haven't met anybody. Um, I'd like to think I simplified what John did because that's what he challenged me to do. But I know right. in all of the years that I've taught, um, I haven't found anybody who, who could not only simplify the message down, but who could just flat out communicate and um, if you get anything from John and, and looking at his things, he, he's such a great communicator and, and can just can talk so easily. Um, it's hard not to believe him. You know, I, I like one of the lines he always used. He always said, forgive me, I know I was right. So, you know, but, you know, he, uh, and he was with, with what he right. did. But that was definitely a defining moment for me. And, and um it just put me on a, on it, it changed me from from playing to teaching, and I went in full time. And there's a couple other guys with the golf schools: Bert Bueller from Northern California, Craig Bunker, Shelby Futch. Those guys were kind enough to, to to give me some leading roles and you know elevate me all the way up to the top part of the of the staff there. And, and uh, with the with the Jacob schools, and definitely a, a, the the biggest defining moment for me. Fantastic. Well, thank you for for sharing that. And, and Michael, I know that um, you know you're uh, uh, certainly among the panel tonight. You're you're the the youngest on the panel, but I know that you've um, certainly amassed a, a, a wealth of experience as well in your journey. In that um, has has everything sort of come together for you? Do you feel that? I mean, obviously, there, there's always going to be more to learn and, and to understand and, and to develop as you go along, and and um, experiences to have but is there sort of a defining moment early on in, in your career where you said okay everything's starting to come together i understand i've got a, a vision in place um the direction i want to take um you know my my uh, lesson plans and and uh, so forth it was there a sort of a, a time frame with you much like the other two that uh, things sort of come together and, and have given you that that uh, vision forward yeah, I don't know if there's ever been one exact moment. I can tell you, you know, when I was playing on the mini tours uh, almost a decade ago and, you know, I was kind of transitioning. I was just teaching a little bit to, you know, on the side to to help pay for entry fees and stuff like that. And, you know, the first, I'll never forget the first time that you tell somebody something, you can see it just clicks, and especially with beginners. You know, it just clicks and they hit a good shot and, you know, their eyes light up. I mean, it's one of the, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough in that I've gotten to have a really great relationship with, with Ted Sheftick. He's been my swing coach for almost 20 years now. And, you know, right. he's, he's in his seventies and he's still always learning. So, I, you know, I'm kind of with Clinton that it's, it's, 
it's an ongoing process. I mean, I have an idea of, you know, I, I have a, you know, I don't call it a system, but I have a way that I like to teach, you know, what I look at, what I look for in the swing. Um, you know, but at the, at the same time, I hope I don't ever, you know, quite quote unquote figure it out because to me, it's, I think it's always something you're always trying to learn more. You're always trying to find another way to communicate to your students, like what Pete said. And, you know, I think right when you, you think you found a really good way to communicate something to somebody that you'll find somebody else who <laughs> it kind of humbles you a little bit. I think golf is, excuse me, golf is just as much a, a humbling game to play as it is to teach. Um, it, you know, it's, it, you know, it's just, uh, I really enjoy what I do, you know, not just because I'm, I'm helping people, but because I'm learning more about the swing and involving myself with people like, you know, Ted Shaftick and, uh, you know, Dr. Rob Neal and Sasha McKenzie and Terry Hashimoto with body track and all these other, all these other teachers. And, uh, you know, just, it's just an ongoing thing. I don't think anything is ever really completely, you know, um, you know, one in particular defining moment. I think every day is filled with little defining moments of people coming in and saying, Hey, I shot my best score ever. Or, uh, you know, right. any player I work with down in Florida sending me a text message saying, Hey, I won my, my tournament today. You know, it's all those little victories are, you know, are fun. And one of the many reasons why we do what we do. Well said. Um, well said guys. And, and, and you're right. I, I think that, you know, there really never is sort of one defining moment. Um, you know, obviously uh, the more experience that you um, develop in a mass along the way, I think certainly helps you to become more focused um, and, you know, become a better listener and, and, um, and, and learn to uh, adhere more to the students, um, uh, their needs and, and wants and things like that, as opposed to imposing our own will. So I think that obviously comes with experience and, and age. Um, I'll share very quickly with, with, with you guys, and then I'll move on. Um, with, with me, it was a little bit different. My defining moment really happened uh, outside of the golf industry. And uh, I, I worked with a gentleman a number of years ago, probably, gosh, um, let's see, I'm 50. got to do the math here. I think it has to be close to 30 years ago. And uh, his name is Graham Yearwood. And he was a gentleman that I worked with uh, in, in a different industry, um, and he was really a workhorse, but he was very um, – he was a sales rep at the time, worked uh, in major accounts. And uh, I sort of, you know, went around, worked with him in, uh, when I came out of the Navy. And at that time, I was in my early 20s. And one of the things that Graham uh, – one of the things that Graham really taught me was to, to number one, always be a good listener. Um, listen to what um, your clients, uh, in this case of the golf industry, of course, your students – um, listen to what they have to say um, with, with great interest and not just sort of, you know, allow your eyes to become glazed over and, and listen to really what their wants and needs are um, before you, you know, um, try to, to ascertain what you can do to help them. Um, and also be diligent in, in getting um, your thoughts together and, and getting yourself organized. Be, be an organized person and be respectful of other people. And really what it taught me uh, as I, you know, uh, gravitated in towards uh, golf is it, it taught me uh, a, a lot. It taught me integrity. It taught me patience. It taught me all kinds of things uh, because there were a lot of times when you would uh, be faced with uh, a client that maybe was difficult to deal with, whatever the circumstances may be. And you always had to, to sort of think on your feet. And sometimes you had to uh, use whatever skills you may have in order to, to help the situation out. And 
Graham was was just a very knowledgeable man. He was probably uh, late forties at the time, so he had mm-hmm. certainly amassed a, a bunch of uh, knowledge along the way. And I just respected him even to this day. I respect him a lot. Uh, I don't know whether he, to be honest, I don't even know whether he even played golf. Um, but it was something that I always gravitated to and always wanted to to make sure that I did my very best, no matter what situation, whether I was teaching somebody, whether I was helping somebody, or whether I was selling something to somebody. I always wanted them to feel special in my presence, to make them feel that they were of value to me, um, and that whatever their story was, um, was important to me as well. And I do that with my students, uh, particularly with my corporate people. Um, I always try to make uh, a point of really listening to what they have to say. And, and taking it with uh, you know with with great uh, importance, and I think that that has translated in in my career over the years. Um, so it was very very simple for me. That was a turning point for me. Is working with Graham really taught me to understand because there were a lot of other people that were you know whispering in the ear, oh you need to do this, you need to do that, and and it just never really settled well with me inside. And some of the words that that Graham had said to me just really resonated and, and just made me feel that um, if I wanted to do well, no matter what I did in my life. And the other thing that he also said to me was, no matter what uh, you chose, whatever profession you choose to get into, you have to be passionate about. Um, and if you're not passionate, then you're never going to give it your best. And that's why I turned to the golf industry is because that was something that since a very early age for me was something that I was very excited and passionate about. Um, so that was kind of how I... Uh, was really a defining moment, but as the rest of you have all indicated, you know I'm always learning and always uh, having new moments that that help uh, redefine uh, who I'm as a person. Um, I want to move on to something that I thought would be kind of interesting, and, and uh, Pete, I'll start with you if that's okay, and then then I'll, I'll go Michael and then Clint. Um, Pete, I want you to maybe just remember some of your best moments as a professional. Was there any uh, particular uh, student that comes to mind where everything just sort of, uh, again, fell into place? And whether it was through feedback from them, uh, through your own examinations or verbal feedback, that they understood what it was you were trying to get across. In other words, the messages that you were uh, expelling to them, they understood and they were able to take it and make good on it, if you will. Was there people like that that you've come across? I'm sure there's many of them, but can you think of one or two that maybe you could share with us here? Yeah, there's. you're right, there are a lot. One of the advantages of being in the golf school situation is, you know, you give thousands and thousands of lessons, and so you get to meet so many people. So there's a lot of those uh, successes that you see through that time. But there, there's a couple of them uh, that, that really come to mind, and one was, um, you know, it has to deal with, with my, my father-in-law who's passed now, but... You know, he was a really good player. Um, um, Axel was a scratch player, and then he had two strokes, and after two strokes he was still a, a five or six. But it was a it was a deal for me because, you know, he was a little bit hesitant to come to one of the schools, and he finally did. Um, you know, and as the son-in-law, you're always thinking in the back of your mind, how's this going to go? But um, after the first day, he walked up to me, and, and he said, you know, that's the first time I really understood just exactly what was going on. And you know, for him to say that for me was was uh, it twofold. One, it, it felt good because he he got the message. But two, it's you know it's your father-in-law who's acknowledging you, which was which is a pretty good deal. Um, and the second one is it has to deal with the training aid I developed. Um, you know, I did a challenge when I first brought it out, and there's a, a gentleman in Florida who you know took the challenge. And what we did it was over 30 days, and, and there were basically 12 hours of lessons they had to do in those 30 days of drills specific drills 
And here's a guy that, you know, only once broken a hundred. You know, it was a hundred to hundred and five shooter. And uh before the thirty day challenge was over, as a matter of fact it was the twenty sixth day, he shot seventy five. And that wow. was a huge moment for me because, you know, I I have this training aid that I I got out and, and the other thing is I was in Saint Louis, he was in Florida. You know, so I wasn't mm-hmm. even there. And so to see that happen, um, was another one of those that just you know, for me told me I was on the right track and, and what we were doing is the right thing to do. Um, you always think so when you test it and you see it out, but then when you when you put it out on the market and you see that type of improvement, uh, you know, it just uh, is a great moment. Very good. Fantastic. Um, Michael, how about you? Was there, I mean, as, as Pete has just expressed, I'm sure that there are many uh, great moments. Was there anyone that, that sort of stands out to you here, uh, whether recently or, or maybe over the years that you've been uh, teaching and coaching that really stood out and, and everything just sort of worked uh, and, and, as I said, gelled together and, and really got some great feedback and you knew that that was a success story, if you will. Um, maybe you could share some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, one, uh, you know, one of them, there's a few that come to mind. I, I, I'll tell you of a couple. One of them is, is my dad. dad. Thanks, Pete, for stealing that story. Um, but, uh, you know, but, um, my dad has a – I think I mentioned this on the show before, but my, my dad right. has an extremely bad back. He, he you know, yes. when we would do – we did a test to see how far he could he could turn his shoulders independently, and he can only tur- turn about four or five degrees independently of his, the rest of his body. So um, he's had three back fusions and – and some other surgery. So he basically gave up the game and uh, I just tried something a little bit different, you know, just, you know, trying to think a little bit outside the box based on, some, you know, some of the, the training courses that, you know, that I've attended, you know, between Mike mm-hmm. Adams stuff and, you know, talking with Rob Neal and, and other biomechanics. I'm like, you know what, just, just try this for me. Two swings later, he just, just pures one. So he hasn't hit one like that in 25 years. And just, you know, hmm. gives you that look that all the other students give you that's just, you know, the one that, you know, gives you butterflies in your stomach because, it's, you know, it's just like, that's awesome. Like, it's that's, right. you know, and to, you know, for my dad to do it, my dad's never been a great golfer. He's, yeah, I beat him when I think I was nine years old. So he's really not good. But, um, you know, it, just for him to hit a shot like that, you know, after not playing for so long, I mean, it was an eight iron, right. like 150 yards dead straight when he couldn't hit a driver 120, 130 yards at the time, it was just, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was cool for both of us because I could, you know, you know, I've always wanted to play more golf with my dad and, um, you know, but uh, to see that was really cool. And then I think the other, I mean, there's, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, creating that relationship with your student, you know, obviously some relationships, you know, like I have a couple of students, that I'm really good friends with now and it's because of that relationship that we build with our clients. Um, you know, but I think, you know, the other one that really, and not even just clicked as far as teaching philosophy goes, I mean, I think all of us could tell stories all day about, I mean, sure. we're, you know, we're we're all successful in what we do it, and we all have different teaching philosophies. That's what's great about what, our game and, and teaching the game because we can all teach different ways and we can all get pretty good results. So, um, you know, but one of my one of my students from uh, several years ago uh, decided that he wanted to, um, you know, make the plunge into the golf business for whatever reason he decided that. But he wanted to, so I've been kind of helping him through it, and he's now in the PGA apprenticeship and doing doing a good job. He's a, a teach the director of instruction for a, uh, an indoor facility 
um, near Philadelphia, and he's doing, you know, just, you know, that's, to me, that's just as satisfying and as, you know, working with, you know, the many tour players I have down in Florida. And I mean, it's all, you know, satisfying in different levels, and it all kind of helps you realize that, hey, what I'm doing is right. But, you know, I think all of us are in the boat where, you know, we don't really need that, that, that level of vindication, I guess you could say, to say, hey, we're definitely doing this right. I think we see the, right. you know, like we talked about before, those little snippets of of uh, satisfaction in every lesson that we give to say, hey, you know, what we're teaching is correct. And if and if what you're teaching isn't, then you just adapt. You know, you, you modify it a little bit. Maybe the communication level, he's not understanding what you're telling him, so you do it a different way and you go that way. But it's um, those are the two that kind of come to mind right now. But, I mean, you know, I think all of us could talk all day about the different scenarios and different students that we have that kind of helped it helps us realize that what we're doing is is right. Perfect. Um, you're you're exactly right, Michael. And and really, the, the the purpose of this, I guess, exercise, if you will, is really just to to share with the listeners, um, you know, some of the the things that we've done in in our career. Because it's not just uh, the average golfer that tunes into the program. There's other professionals out there, both young and old, that tune into the show as well. And I think it's it's good every once in a while to kind of share our own personal experiences. Um, Clint, I know you've got a a, a a golf bag at least or two full of some great uh, great stories. Um, maybe you could share one or two with us as well, and then I'll share one uh, of mine. Yeah, uh, I uh, yeah. Go ahead. Ed. Yeah, I don't have a real specific point. I, I think that you know we've had a lot of conversations about what I do now, and sure. one of the things that a, a couple of years ago, you know, I hear this report to where. You know, we got better golf clubs, longer golf balls, and guess what? Nobody's scoring any better. Right. The handicaps are still the same. You know, the average score is pretty much the same. So, you know, that kind of moved me towards where I'm at now a little bit is that, you know, Mike and Todd, my partners, take care of getting it in the air, and I teach people how to lower their score. Right. So with that in mind, I put together the third shot schools the third shot clinics mm-hmm. and what's really been satisfying to me was that i have a uh, about an hour and a half uh seminar that i offer to the clubs where we're at and they come in and we go over why the third shot on every hole is the most important shot right and we've all heard you got to have good short game right we've all heard mm-hmm. that but nobody's ever really explained to the people about why the short game is so important and why the third shot is the one that matters. Right. If they want to, you know, lower their score. And what's very satisfying to me is when you get done with this thing, you go down through the whole whole um, you know, format of of how do you, you know, how do you shoot 108? Do you know how you shoot 108? Uh, do you know how to shoot 108? <laughs> yeah, you make Play all six. Yeah, you make all six. Time they change 108. Exactly. You know how you shoot 90? Yep. Make all shoot five. Pots. That's right. So if I give you two putts on every hole, the most important thought is the third one to get it on the green. You get your third shot on the green, you can two putt, you can shoot 90. Now, yep. so whenever I explain that to people, they come up to me and say, you know, nobody's ever explained that to me that way. That right. really makes me feel like, hey, I'm doing something that's fundamentally going to help these people because they generally will come up and say, nobody ever told me, explained it that way. 
And then a, a week or two later, when you go out to the same club and you see those people over-chipping and putting instead of hitting drivers, mm-hmm. you really get the sense of satisfaction that you got to them. You're yeah, really it, are going to make a difference in what they're doing. And then if you watch them on the range, they hit a whole lot more wedges than they do drivers. Yeah, And, and that, that again, that pure satisfaction is you're actually going to help those people score better. And, and that's, I, I guess, over the years, the only other one that I can remember that I, I, I have a plaque on my wall, and this lady gave it to me, the most improved player, it was the first individual student I ever had. It was in Lakeland, Florida, and honest to goodness, it took her a month to get a ball in the air. And at that time, I was beginning to question whether I had the ability to teach anybody how to play golf. Because, I mean, this lady could not get the ball in the air. And finally, between her persistence and me showing up every Tuesday afternoon, she learned how to play golf. And, you know, that was – I figured if – People were like this, and I was 19 years old, by the way, it, mm. is that if there's these kind of people out here that's willing to come out here and stay with me that long, I must be getting something done right. <laughs> it just took a long time. <laughs> oh, well, but, you know, you know I, I think the idea of the, the third shot clinics and stuff, and when you see people really telling you, hey, I've never heard this that way, and you see them out practicing what you tried to convince them to do, very satisfying. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, you're 100% right, and uh, and great great points. By the way, a lot of people don't look at, at golf that way, and uh, you know they're they're so eager to to focus on things that really are not going to help their game. Um, and and you know one of the things that uh, and it, I, I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes, but um, I, I watched here. I, I believe it was yesterday uh, on the uh, I guess it was the morning drive on the Golf Channel, and they had. Um, uh, Gary Player, uh, Nicholas uh, Trevino, and Palmer uh, interview, and they talked about um, you know some of the different things in golf today. And Nicholas made a, a very interesting point, and, and I'll get into a little bit of a discussion about it. And he talked about one of the one of the criticisms of of instruction today was he felt that um, too many instructors were trying to teach their swing or uh, what they called the perfect swing, um, as opposed to you know, teaching the individual their swing. In other words, they all like, and they talked about. He, you know, he referenced the four of them on how uniquely different their golf swings were, but yet at the same time they were all uh, very successful in their careers. And uh, you know, he raised an interesting point, and I'm going to pose that question here in just a second. But I want to share a story with you um, of one of my experiences. This goes back again a number of years ago um, when I was still, of course, back in Canada. Uh, I worked with a group of gentlemen. Uh, I used to have a very good relationship, well, still do, but very good relationship with uh, a number of executives from the Royal Bank of Canada, which is one of our our, our major uh, banks. And uh, they often had uh, a number of different uh, events throughout the year, corporate events, and uh, they had a particular challenge that was coming up uh, in a couple of months. And four of the executives, um, and I'll, I'll just give you the first names, uh, Charlie, Rick, Bob, and Mason, uh, came to me uh, through uh, a different... Uh, scenario and uh, through our discussions we talked about you know golf and they were talking about this upcoming event and I suggested to them that you know if they because obviously they they were going to play as a foursome and uh, they really wanted to win the event and uh, they each had different strengths of course in their game uh, and and different weaknesses and I said to them I said well I'll tell you what if you guys are willing to commit 
for the next month and a half, I'm going to put you through a, a program that will certainly help yield some success. I won't guarantee that you're going to win, uh, but I'll guarantee that you'll play uh, some great golf. And so they agreed to it. And uh, so when we finished our our, uh, our meal, uh, we, we set a game plan in place. And, and twice a week they met with me. And obviously I know this can't happen for everybody, but uh, I was very fortunate that I was able to have them twice a week. And uh, just to give you an idea, just a very, very short background. Again, they were all executives from the Royal Bank. Uh, Charlie was 58, uh, Rick and Bob were in their mid, uh, mid-40s, and Mason was the youngest of the group at 32. Uh, to give you a little bit of uh, additional background, Charlie uh, was very, very good bunker player uh, and a pretty good uh, overall short game player. Uh, both Rick and Bob were very good drivers of the ball and pretty decent iron players. Uh, Mason was, was pretty good uh, in most of his play, but he was an extremely good putter. Uh, Charlie was also a good putter. So I said to them, I said, what I want to do with you guys, because they're obviously playing in a, in a four-ball uh, event, and uh, I said to them what I wanted to do was to have you guys play uh, with your strengths. A lot of people get into these events, and they just don't know what to do and, and how to handle things. So I said, here's what we're going to do. Um, one, of the, one of the problems that had, we went out to the, to the facility uh, about a week and a half later, and I watched, of course, all of them hit and so forth. And one of the things that I noticed, um, particularly with um, Rick and Bob, was that they were very... Um, very aggressive with their drives. Now, they're pretty good drivers, but they were very aggressive. So I said to them, here's, here's what I want all of you to do. I said, I'm sure you've got some old clubs laying around or you can get your hands on an old driver. Um, I, what I want you to do is, is find a driver, borrow it if you have to, with a weaker shaft than what you're using. And I said, what I want you to do for, for the duration of, of our time is I want you each week, when you're using your driver, I want you to use that driver and I want you to swing um, a little bit slower. And the reason why I wanted them to do that and use a, a weaker shaft was I wanted them to work on their tempo and their timing because one of the problems that a lot of golfers have, is, as we all know with their driver, is they, they want to murder the ball. They want to get up there, and by using a weaker shaft and a lighter shaft, um, they were forced to swing at maybe 75 to 80% of, of their capacity. And it caused them to focus on their timing and their tempo. Uh, the other thing that I wanted them to do as well was to um, play practice rounds together, and we worked out a strategy based on their abilities on how to manage each hole. So we worked on a number of holes, and we went out on the course, of course, and did this, um, as well as on the range. And I wanted them, in addition to um, doing this with me, I wanted them to do it independently. So if they had opportunities to go out and play, that they would play as a group, and then send me the stats, send me updates on, on how they did on different things. And we created a strategy and this went on, as I said, for about a month and a half. And the interesting thing that came, they not only won the event, but each of them improved in areas that normally they were weaker in because they focused on areas. We had them focusing on areas that they were weak in, but I, primarily for the event, I wanted them to focus on the areas that they were the strongest in so that they could play as a team, not as individuals, because it was essentially a team event. And they went on to win the event um, which was great for me. Obviously, gave me some, uh, uh, you know, a great story to share with with future students. But it, it taught me to really look at the individuals and see how I could put together a game plan. So this was very early in my career as, as an instructor, and it helped me to ascertain where the strengths, where their weaknesses were, and how I could blend them together in order to make sort of a unified effort. 
and and as I said, they ended up going on to win their corporate event, and we're very happy. And you know, we continued a, a much longer uh, relationship uh, as a result. And of course, I got uh, a number of lessons out of that. But you know, for me, that was a great experience because it really it allowed me to work with four individuals that were independently different. Each had different swings. Each had different uh, philosophies, if you will. Um, and obviously each had strengths and weaknesses. And I was able to focus on those different areas of their game. And then, as I said, mesh them all together into a successful result. So that was something that I did um, that was also, I guess, a a defining moment for me. Uh, And I I continue to sort of use that philosophy to this day, and and I think it's served me well. Um, I want to move on to what I was just talking about with Nicholas here, and I want to ask you all this. And, and Clint, I'm going to start with you, if if you don't mind, and then uh, Pete and and Michael will go back to you. Um, Nicholas talked about that with today's instruction. Um, Do you agree with that analogy that – that a lot of the instruction, and not to pick on anyone or anything like that, but generally as a rule, that there are a lot of instructors out there that are trying to teach a specific swing as opposed to bringing out the natural talents that each of us have. In other words, you have a uniquely different swing to me, Michael, and, and, and Pete, and conversely. Do you agree with what Nicholas was saying, that we need to focus more on bringing their talents to the surface and working with what they have as opposed to trying to you know, go through the mechanics and whatnot of, of building a perfect swing? Clint? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to, to disagree with Nicholas, but I, I, I think I do a little bit. Um, you know, I the only the only thing that you can relate that to is your surrounding who's teaching. You know, I, I don't know a lot of guys in Florida anymore or Georgia or wherever. We're here in South Carolina, and the people around us tend to have their ideas mm-hmm. on what the fundamental laws of a golf swing should be, you know, sure. particularly from – from waist high to waist high through the impact area, I think Nicholas and, and those guys would agree that they're, they were all pretty close to the same positioning from waist high to waist sure. high. Okay, now so with that in mind, I, I think there's some basic things that you have to try to help your students do. Right. Uh, but I also believe that in order to do that, that we all have a different style on and doing that, as he expressed with those four great players. They mm-hmm. all look different, but they kind of get to the ball in the same place. Right. So, that, so there has to be, and what we talk about is the fundamental laws that that haven't changed since the game started playing. The club's still kind of flat and long, and the ball's still round. So the yeah. physics of the game hasn't changed that much, but the style of play has. Mm-hmm. You can go back to Varden and Jones compared to the guys today. The style has changed, but the fundamentals really haven't. So if a, if I have an instructor or talk to people that are stuck in, I think a method of teaching that that i think is a problem right okay because then they have a set method of how a person should get there see i I believe they need to get there but they that we need to take our own style to it and so kind of agree with him to a certain point that i think there's some people that do teach a method to get there Mm. um and and I, i i don't agree with that obviously as he does but i also believe that at some point there's that fundamental thing from waist high to the impact area that as all good instructors should is try to help their students get to that position at impact right so yeah and i yeah right i I think what yeah i think uh, i agree with you i think what he was really trying to say was um that there's you know a certain methodology if you will out there of of trying to you know build sort of a one swing uh you know fits all sort of mentality yeah. and i think that's really what he was going and maybe he you know the way he explained it it, it kind of sounded a little bit different but i i agree yeah. with you i think that there's 
there, there are certain components in a golf swing that you, you cannot change. It, it is essentially the laws, if you will. Um, and how you get to that, again, you know, whether you loop it around up here and, you know, do two or three steps over here, I, I think is really irrelevant. I think it's, you know, as long as you have the core fundamentals um, that are required, um, yeah. you know, look at, look at somebody like Jim Furyk and, and some of the others, yeah. Freddie Couples, you know, comes to mind. Um, that had uniquely different swings than some of the others on tour. I, I agree with that. Um, Pete, That's what about right. you? Mean, is, sorry, yeah, but you know, if you if you go back to what we talked about early on, some of the people that influenced me. You look at Warren; he had laws and preferences. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. There's certain laws, but then there's preferences on how to get there. You know, so we'll see. And you know, um, Pete, as I move on to you with, with generally the same question, but I want to add, you know, one of the things too that uh, Trevino had mentioned in uh, the conversation. Um, you know, Nicholas said at the, at the time when, when he was, uh, you know, coming through the driver, you know, a lot of people always talk about the putter and, and short game and all of that. And, you know, Nicholas a- acknowledges himself that he was not a great chipper and, and, and even pitcher of the ball, but his strength was, of course, his, his driver. Um, but he also pointed out, and, and, as, and as Trevino added to it, back in their day, um, golf courses were very narrow. Uh, there was not a lot of uh, room for error, and the rough was considerably thicker and higher and longer on many of the golf courses that they played, so they had to be very accurate off the tee. So the driver was a very important club at the time, whereas conversely, t- in today's game, the fair- fairways in many cases, even on the PGA Tour, are much wider than what they were uh, and more forgiving than what they had been maybe you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so, Pete, keeping that in mind, is there, as Clint had said, do you kind of agree with with Clint's analogy of what Nick said that um, that you know we need to sort of focus on the individual's um, strengths and, and bring them up, uh, or is there some room for uh, some consistency with a little bit of uh, flexibility? Well, I'm sort of going to go towards the method route, but it, it's a little bit different in, in what I've come up with. You know. Okay. The, the philosophy that I've built is based off of impact. And so mm-hmm. we look at impact, and, and I looked at the relationship between the club and the ball first, which I spent a lot of time, you know, bending John Jacobs' ear over, you know, talking about impact. Mm-hmm. And then I took it from impact to say, okay, now what can we do in the simplest way possible to achieve the proper impact? But the caveat is to repeat it. Right. Can you repeat it? And so there are a lot of swings out there on tour today that, you know, you can look at a, a Bubba Watson, you can look at a Zach Johnson, you can look at, you know, Dustin Johnson. You, you see different swings out there. A lot of them can't repeat the ball flight. You know, they can go all over the place with it. So, and anybody, when they're on, they're on. I mean, that's, you know, they're tour players. And we have to remember that on the PGA Tour and any other tours, they're, they end those tour with players. Those guys are players. The masses yeah. are golfers. They're not players, you know, so right. we're, we're trying to find a, a simple way to get that to them. So I am more, it may not be a method because I, I base it on fall flight, but I give the same lesson to a, a, a 30 handicapper that I do a tour player. The right. very basic concepts of what I'm doing and the fundamental pieces. And I do agree when you're talking about laws and preferences, that was a great quote. There are certain things in the golf swing that need to happen. Uh, right. To me, the ultimate is, is getting the club face under control and then because the ball is to the side and on the ground, you have to have a certain amount of horizontal and vertical movement. It has to be in there because the ball is to the side and on the ground. It's been there since they started the game, and they haven't moved it. And so we're still fighting the same battle that we have, you know, a, a long time ago. 
And so, you know, I I basically have taken it that way, and that's why I developed the program I did. And it, it is more towards, uh, not really a method, but it, it's more geared toward the same thing. I, I'm trying to optimize impact, and that's what I'm after. And I'm trying to do it in the simplest way that you can possibly do it. And we spent a lot of time, I say we because I had some guys help me, but I spent a lot of time researching it and trying to figure out not only, you know, what the correct impact would be, but to repeat it. And going along your your thing there when you were talking about the golf courses, mm. you know, back then for them, and, you know, a lot of times, it, and it's still prevalent today for so many golfers, it's not really the length of the golf course that gives them trouble, it's the width. The courses aren't wide enough for, for so many errant shots. They're wider than they used to be uh, right. uh, from a tournament standpoint. But for the masses, you know, for them to me, it's more about controlling the ball than it is smashing it out there a, a mile. So we, we decided to find out, you know, how can we control the ball without losing any distance? And so, yeah, it's it's virtually, you know, uh, a methodology off of impact, but it's finding yep. the simplest route to get there. Right. Well said. Um, Michael, about, how about you? Um, your perspective on that as well, and, you know, looking at – really what you see out there in, in the teacher professional. And, and obviously, you know, Nicholas was a, a phenomenal player and, and uh, as was uh, Palmer and Trevino and, and Gary Player. Um, is there a certain element of truth to what he, he said that, that um, we need to focus on um, more on the individual's uh, own talents and, and abilities? And certainly, as Clint had pointed out and, and, and Pete has just followed up, that there are certain uh, inalienable laws that do have to be adhered to, but... Um, is there room for some flexibility, or do we have to um, try and mold everybody uh, into uh, sort of one pattern? I don't. I mean, personally, I don't think that there there is one one right way to swing a golf club, and everybody has to do that way. I mean, like the guys have pointed out. I mean, the, the point is to get the impact on a regular basis and be able to control the club face through impact and do it with enough speed to get it around the golf course. Now. Speed-wise and length-wise, like the guys have alluded to, and for most players, if unless you're a tour player, if you're playing the appropriate tees, you shouldn't have to worry about the length. Just play golf, have a good time, play the appropriate tees, and have fun. Um, if you go to a tour event, you're not going to, you know, you, if you stand there on the range, I would be very hard-pressed to show you, to have somebody show me two swings that look exactly the same and right. put them on biomechanic feedback and say, these are identical swings. It's not going to happen. Even even the same player making five swings probably aren't going to have two or three swings that are perfectly identical. That's not right. what it's about. It's about consistency, like the guys have already mentioned, and being able to repeat something, and more importantly, being able to repeat it under pressure, whether you're a tournament player or not. If you're playing golf with your buddies, you know, for for a two dollar Nassau, and you know, you got the last shot to to take the skins or whatever it may be, there's going to be some pressure. You need to be able to repeat what you're doing. Um, at the same time, you know, there are some consistencies in in what you're seeing. You know, you're seeing guys that are for the most part for the most part on a certain plane line coming down. You know, we're finding out now with biomechanics that there's quote unquote no such thing as swing plane. But for our students to make it easy to understand, yeah, there's just draw the line so they can understand, hey look, you are way over this line. We need to get you a little bit lower. Take a look at this example, this example. While they're not all in the exact same spot we can mm-hmm. at least get you into a better spot so you're not hitting a, a ball that starts in left field and ends up in the right stands. You know, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's definitely consistencies there. 
But I think everybody, depending on your physique, your flexibility, your talent, um, physical ailments, there's so many things that go into it. Um, in my opinion, you know, you're not going to have, you know, you might teach similar concepts in in the lesson to get to that point, but you're, you know, it's it's difficult um, to teach the exact same swing over and over again and get great results for everybody. It might click for somebody, it might not. Uh, one way that uh, Ted Sheffick has put in, in you know, when he teaches a, a golf school that I've seen is that, you know, if you're driving down the road and you drive on the wrong side of the road, you're going to get into an accident. Kind of the same thing in, in the golf swing. If you're if you're swinging down, you know, on your, on your downswing and you get on the wrong side of the road, get that club all, off, quote, unquote, plane, if that's what you want to call it, whatever terminology you want to use, you get that club off plane, you're probably going to have an accident at some point. One day you might be on and you're hitting it really well, but another day you might have an accident and shoot 90. So, right. you know, it's just, it's just getting to that point where you can consistently do it. And I think, um, you know, for for any golf professionals listening to, you know, attending Mike Adams certification, EA Tischler certification, um, the Bioswing Dynamics has been really helpful, helpful for me. Um, I know it's been helpful for a lot of instructors to kind of understand the the tendencies that go with different body types um, and measurements of, of the body. Uh, you know, to kind of go with and say, hey, if this guy's wingspan is six inches longer than the height, here's what you're probably going to see. You know, something right. like that. So, you know, I think you have to kind of take those into account when you're looking at trying to help somebody instead mm-hmm. of saying a cookie cutter approach. So I, I think there's always, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. And I, but I think Jack makes a good point. I think it's just, you know, some instructors like to, you know, fit everybody to a mold, but you know, take for example, um, you know Andy Plummer. He's he teaches stack and tilt, and he's very successful. So right. some people were successful teaching a, a, a system in one swing. You know, fits all. Even though they're they, you know, you watch Andy teach, he'll modify it a little bit to fit the individuals. But you know, it's, right? But so, you know, everybody's successful doing, you know, what they're doing. It's just how can we modify it to. Um, help people more and teach a, a a larger variety of students, in my opinion. Right. Well said. Um, I, I want to jump uh, very quickly here because we're skipping through time uh, pretty quick, and I know that you guys uh, have things to do in that. Um, the, the, really, the last question that I'm going to uh, pose is, and, and we don't have to get into specific um, uh, examples, but maybe what you can do is, is based on an experience that you had where, where maybe things didn't, uh, you know, all cylinders didn't end up uh, firing on, on the same cylinder, um, what you did as a, a way of, uh, or what you took away from that experience. In other words, you, you've worked with a student for, you know, whatever period of time, uh, or a group of students, and maybe things didn't, um, you know, go the way they you had planned them to go, or or didn't get the results uh, that you desired. Um, what did you learn from that experience um, to help, uh, you know, prepare you for the next time, uh, either with that group or with another uh, student? What did you take away from that, uh, Pete? I'll let you, you start this one. Well, I think for me, it was early on in my career. With with the Jacob schools, and, and you're fortunate enough because you got a day where somebody else is going to come behind you if, if something's wrong. But I had one particular gentleman that um, I was speaking English, and he was hearing, you know, Japanese. Right. Um, so it, it just was not going. And no matter what I said, I couldn't get I couldn't get the communication to it. And so I basically 
sat down with, uh, at that time, Craig Bunker, who was running the school force, and, and just had a, a conversation about, you know, communication and, and different ways to say different things. And fortunately for me, he let me have the same gentleman the next day and let me go about it in a different fashion. And, um, you know, the light bulb came right on. And so for me it was a, 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 a tough one at the beginning of a struggle because I just couldn't – I just could not get a point across at all. And um, But the, the second day, you know, it was like Jekyll and Hyde. And so it's just uh, saying the, roughly the same exact things in a different fashion. And, uh, he, you know, then we were both on the same language. So for me that was uh, a great learning tool early on to, that, uh, you know, as, we, as we've said and it's been mentioned tonight – you know, communication is such an important issue, and um, you know you can teach anybody anything if you can get to them. So. Right. Well said. Good example. Um, Clint, what about you? Was there a, a moment to, in your career where um, you know things didn't just get on the right uh, track? Let's say, uh, and, and again, we don't need specifics, but right. um, what did you take away from that experience? Do you think that that helped you? Um, not necessarily regroup, but but look at things maybe a little bit differently and say, okay, this wasn't the way I, I hoped it was going to go for whatever reasons. Um, it could be a combination of things. Um, what did you do differently, or what did you take away from that experience? Do you think? Well, you know, I think it to me it still happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the where you you may have a student particularly working their short game or whatever they don't quite. And I think this is where experience comes in. Uh, early on in my career, I had some you know maybe some uh, issues without trying to understand what to do, but as you get more experience, I have that happen all the time, and you can begin to understand how you can watch the expression of your students that, coming back to what was just said about number of different ways of saying the same thing. Right. So it's really sometimes a give and take between the student, to me anyway, that I'm going to give you one way of doing it, and I'm going to try to see and recognize if you don't get that right away, I'm going to try another way. So I, right. I still get that that quite often in a lesson that maybe the approach that I'm taking with this particular person they're not getting it. I need to try something. I need to try it now. You know, I need to try a different way of saying this. And what I have learned that you need to tell them that. Yeah. Early on, I didn't say, "Well, I'm going to try to tell. You, I'm going to tell you another way." Okay. Let's see if this makes sense to you. And I didn't do that early in my career, but now I do. When I recognize it, just not getting it that way, I said, tell you what, let's regroup here. Let's try another let, – let, let me say it another way to see if that makes more sense to you. And to me, that's always been a very simple way of me engaging my student and getting them to buy in and engage in the lesson themselves. Right. So there, therefore, what I didn't understand early in my career was is that you can make a mistake as long as you tell them, hey, let's try something different. They know you're engaged in helping them, right? You know, and and that's the, that's the thing. I, I like I said, it happens all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, so I, I don't get too too worried about it. I, I I don't get excited about it, nor do I get discouraged when a student doesn't get it. It's my job as the instructor to tell them a different way. Right. You know, it, exactly. So it's all the time. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree, hundred percent. Um. Uh, Michael, before I let you uh, jump in, I want to bring on uh, Matthew Cook is, is joining us. Matthew Cook, of course, uh, is a PGA coach and also certified both here in the U.S. and uh, was certified over in the uh, U.K. He's also the co-founder of Leap Golf in the U.K. and creator of Game Like Training, uh, a program that he's put together. So Matthew Cook, uh, he's going to join us here 
uh, for the last uh, few moments of, of Coach's Corner. Okay. Great. Hey, Good evening. Good evening, Matthew. How's How are you yeah. doing? Uh, Good. Doing well. You're Thanks on with for Pete. letting me in, Ted. Yeah, no problem. Glad you could squeak in, and and uh, you're welcome to to hang around for a little while uh, as we uh, we get uh, wrapping up this here shortly. But um, Michael, um, if you want to take a moment as well, and just to maybe explain, uh, you know, obviously we've all, as we talked about, we've had some successes in our in our journey, uh, but we've also had some uh, less than stellar performances. Um, what did you take away? What do you think that you took away from that experience um, that's helped you to to sort of regroup, if you will? Yeah, I, I think the the other two guys made some some really good points. I think to 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 not you know beat on the same drum. I think it's kind of the same drum, but you know I think the most important realization for me and that we're all going to give bad lessons. Any instructor that says they never gave a bad sure. lesson is a liar. So right. We're all going <laughs> to make mistakes, but to me, it's getting your ego out of the way and you know checking your ego at the door and saying, "Hey, if you give a bad lesson or if you're starting off and the lesson's not going as planned and it's not what you had in mind for that day, you know, in your lesson plan for that student, don't be afraid to change it. You know, nothing nothing goes as planned. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've never really had a lesson that goes or, or a clinic or anything or a golf school that goes cookie cutter exactly the way I had planned. There's yeah. always going to be no, those... modifications of some kind um, you know, that you've got to make in order to keep the lesson flowing. Um, you know, and, and I think, to be honest with you, a lot of it is, and I've made this mistake the same as I'm sure all you guys have, is just ego. You know, I just I, my, I didn't check my ego at the door, and I, uh, you know, I let my own opinions outweigh the lessons, and, and uh, I think we've all, you know, had disappointed students in the you know in that process, but but it's recognizing it. Re- I'm sorry, recognizing it in time and saying, hey, look, you know what? And not being afraid to ask the student, um, kind of like what Clint was saying. You know, I don't have a problem with asking the student if I'm having a hard time. You know, if they're just not being very talkative or or they're just not you know in on the lesson. Engaging. I, I will. Yeah, I'll stop them and say, hey, how do you learn? How do you enjoy learning? Do you like to see it? Do you like to feel it? Do you like to hear? It? You know, what 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 exactly? Yeah what can I do to make this fun for you? You know, because I want to make sure that you're enjoying yourself because I'm enjoying myself. I want to make sure that you're enjoying yourself. You're paying me for my time. You're paying me for the lesson. You're also paying me to try and help you improve. So what can I do, you know, to, you know, I I think here's what I would like to do, but did you have something else in mind? You know, don't be, you know, in my opinion, checking the ego at the door and not being afraid to ask the questions is something that, uh, it's sometimes hard to do, probably. I, I don't know. I'd like to get, you know, if you guys uh, think it's, uh, I don't think it's the easiest thing to do sometimes, but it's, I think it's necessary. Yeah, you're you're right. And, uh, you know, we all, um, everybody, I think, uh, at some point allows their egos to in- infiltrate. Um, Matthew, I'm going to let you jump in here um, uh, as well real quickly here. Um, obviously, you know, you've had some moments here in your career. Matthew, of course, is, is a great uh, teacher professional as well and coach. Um, and thank you, Matthew, for, for jumping in the program. Um, you've obviously no had some problem. moments uh, th- throughout your career as well where things maybe just didn't gel. Um, what did you take away from that experience, um, do you feel, and, and that helped you uh, maybe the next time around, either with that student or, or with others that, that you learned? What did you take away from that uh, that experience? Well, I think you, you guys just hit the nail right on the head. And, yeah, it, for me, I was that 
you know, a 21 year old kid that thought he knew everything. He'd just he'd read all these books and spoke to these people and spent time with these people and all of a sudden thought he knew everything. And you know, you get you you soon realise that it's not about you and right. It's not about nope. you and um, sorry, something just happened on my phone. Uh, and yeah, I you know you soon realize you have to leave your ego at the door. You know, most people I feel in the industry that I've met have been very ego driven, and you, yeah, you have to leave that at the door. And it's about the customer, it's about the person in front of you. And if you don't do what they uh, are wanting, or if you don't fulfill or facilitate their needs, then don't matter how much you know, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. It's, right. There's a, you know there's there's always that great quote as you say it doesn't matter how much you know it's how much you care so that's what i learned very very soon in my career no matter how much i learned and how much i knew about golf or how much i knew about learning and developing and improving people's skills really didn't matter unless i i made it work for that person at that particular time there and then right well said matthew um Guys, we're we're coming uh, to the end of the the segment here, so I want to give each of you a moment. And Matthew, um, since I know you've just jumped in here, you're welcome to hang around with me for a little bit longer, because um, I know these guys yeah. uh, are probably needing to go. So, Michael, I'm going to let you go. I'm like let you go first because I know you've got something planned here uh, right after the segment. So, um, obviously, we know a little bit of your story, what what you're dealing with right now. But what have you got cooking for for 2016? And and uh, after the holidays, once you get back on the mend. Uh, what have you got? What's your your forecast for for 2016? You know, it's uh, I'm hopefully 2016 will be a really good year. We uh, at Berkshire we just hired a, a new head professional. Um, luckily, uh, I've I've known our new head professional Tom Michaels for for quite a few years. He came from Waynesboro, so I know he and I are going to be doing some really really good stuff. But we're going to be kind of revamping the private lesson side a little bit and trying to provide some more for not only our members, but, um, you know, people in the surrounding area. But um, we're going to try and push, uh, you know, PGA Junior League a little bit harder, maybe do some some more uh, player development programs for the juniors and, and try and uh, – we have a lot of juniors at our club. So we're really looking forward to uh, working with all of them and providing a little bit uh, better service for them and, you know, with uh, player development programs with some practices and, and uh, some training programs. So – um, you know, a lot of things are, are in the works for next year, and I'm just uh, looking forward to getting back on my feet. I've been <laughs> had an ACL surgery two months ago, so I'm two, three or three or four more months of recovery here, and I'll be able to get back on my feet. But, um, you know, so it's uh, hopefully it looks like 2016 is going to be shaping up for, to be a really good year at the club, and uh, we're going to have a lot of new programs unveiled and, and uh, hopefully get some more people involved in the game. Perfect. Well said. Um, Pete, how about you? What have you got? Uh, what's the projections for two, uh, 2016? I know that uh, you've got a lot of things in the fire as well. What uh, what, what are you moving towards for next year? Well, first of all, we're, we're at the end of January during the PGA show, we're going to be putting on some, some of our PSG circuit clinics at the Falcons Fire Golf Club there in Orlando. And we're also doing a seminar on the Thursday, the 28th. Uh, where we're going to be spending uh, part of the morning inside uh, talking about uh, our PSG circuit and the simple things that we've come about and how we've simplified the game down and then spend the afternoon on the range uh, letting people experience it. 
But uh, during that time also, I've got a, a couple of my tour players that are going to be in, and we're actually going to re-video all the drills, uh, all the different aspects of the game. Um, and uh, we're going to have a new video series, a new uh, website coming out. And uh, we're also working on a new uh, mini book. It's going to be an animated book, and it's going to be a conversation between the club and the ball. And it should be pretty interesting. It's going to have a little comedy in it. Um, but uh, it's basically the club and the ball having a chat and figuring out how they're supposed to behave with each other. So it, uh, it's been fun writing it up, and um, and uh, so we're going to we'll put that project in. Hopefully we'll have that by mid-February to, to send out and let everybody see it. But it should uh, it should be some fun. Well, let me know when uh, when that gets uh, a little bit further ahead, and uh, would love to have you come on, and we can talk about that on the show uh, uh, during one of the episodes as well. I'd love to help you uh, get that uh, word out there as well. Uh, Clint, what about you? you? What's cooking? What's cooking? Uh, co- excuse me, cooking for 2016? <laughs> well, a lot of the same things. I mean, we just keep pushing out our, our third shot routine and and uh, trying to play a little golf ourselves. Maybe maybe come down visit you. You can't ever tell. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, do a little fishing, you know. Right? Yeah, but um, you know we've been at it long enough. I mean, one year is kind of like the next one. I um, we always find some new things to be involved with, and and just kind of leave the door open and our eyes eyes open and uh, our mouth shut sometimes. And it's an interesting thing that you find some a lot of nice people and a lot of interesting things to do. So we're we're going to try to play the same thing we did this year. Perfect. Very good. Well, guys, I want to thank you. Uh, Matthew, you can stick around for a few moments uh, longer here, but uh, I'm going to let these uh, gentlemen go because I know that uh, Michael's got to uh, got to split, and I know you, you guys uh, have some uh, some things to uh, get ready for, I'm sure, tomorrow and that being the last day of the week. But um, for Pete and, and Michael and Clint, I want to thank uh, you guys for all of your input throughout the year um, and for helping really to make um, 2015 a successful year for, for the show Golf Talk Live and for all of your input uh, into uh, the Coach's Corner segments. And uh, uh, I want to wish you guys all the best uh, for the holidays. Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year to all, all of you and your families. And uh, I look forward to having you jump back in uh, in the new year uh, when we get uh, rolling again. So thank you very much for all of your help. You're welcome. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. you Sorry, I was late, guys. All right, Let's guys. Have a great Christmas. All right, thank you, guys. All right, bye-bye. All right, see ya. Okay, that was my very uh, special guests on uh, the Coach's Corner panel, uh, Clint Wright, uh, Pete Buchanan, and, of course, Michael Wheeler. And I'm on here, of course, uh, with another good buddy, Matthew Cook. Uh, Matthew, what's what's cooking for you for 26? I know you've got a lot of exciting things we've talked about before on the show, and I thought since you came in a little bit later, I'd give you a few more moments here to, uh, uh, to talk about some of the things that you're going to be doing for next year. So what have you got cooking for next year? Yeah, we have a lot cooking for next year, Ted. Let me tell you, we have a lot. We have a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, we to be to start with, we have a uh, this all oh, the second edition uh, game like training workbooks and the second edition game like training manual comes out. Quite excited for that. We've had a bunch of interest so far. Uh, seven different countries so far of 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 been books in the workbooks. So excited to launch that. Hopefully that'll be. Uh, That'll be around March time, hopefully. It's looking good so far, but you know, you, you never know what could happen. But right, <laughs> all the second edition books. <laughs> uh, we also start a new research project with uh, a friend of mine, Dr. K. Anders Eriksson, a professor mm-hmm. at Florida State, the pioneer of 
the ten the supposedly ten thousand hour rule. He's never said that, but the whole deliberate practice framework. We start right. a research. We start uh, we start doing some research in February, and hopefully we'll have some papers published and out in the golfing world um, by the summer. So that's the next right. that's the next thing. Pretty cool. Um, and then uh, we we have all of our new online coaches coaching programs. Right now, we just launched. In fact, two nights ago, we launched. Uh, it was by invitation only. This one as an online six-month coaching program for coaches to learn more about the game like training philosophy and hmm. to get some first-hand experiences, well, not experience, some education on the all the information and the research behind our philosophy. They right. also They also got the option and opportunity to come out and shadow me and my business partner for a couple of days. Uh, so we'll have a bunch more of them coaches coaching programs coming out in the new year, which is even more exciting. Now, just we to remind everybody, stuff going on. yeah, just to remind everybody, Matthew, let uh, let them know where you're based out of now. Um, I know you're up in just around the Atlanta area, correct? Yeah, we are uh, just north of Atlanta. We're at Bridge Mill Athletic Club right now um, uh, in Canton. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's a nice spot. The owner of the golf course has four other courses. He has Lake Arrowhead, he has Bridge Mill, Lake Arrowhead, Town Lake, and there's another one. So there's lots of scope there to do things at, at the other clubs that this owner owns. But we are primarily located at Bridge Mill Athletic Club. Really nice spot, actually. Nice golf club, nice course, nice neighborhood. It's yeah, and that's in, that's in, for those of you that aren't familiar, that's in Georgia, um, which is in just Georgia, a, yeah. Yeah, just a hop, literally a hop, skip, and a jump up from where I am in in Florida. So you're you're a short drive away, and we'll have to make a point uh, in the new year, uh, Matthew, of getting together. Uh, we'll either meet halfway, or I'll come up, or you down, or one of the two. But uh, we'll have to uh, make a point of that. I don't know if you're planning on going to the PGA show or not uh, in January, but I'm going to yeah, be down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I'll be days. there. Yeah, I'm going to be down there a few yeah, days. I'll... I'm going to. I'm going to be announcing that uh, here uh, in, a, in a few moments, but uh, basically from uh, the Tuesday through to the Friday, I'm not coming for the whole week, but uh, a good part of it. So we'll have to make a point of, of connecting down the show as well, but um, lots of great stuff. And Matthew, I know that you've uh, offered to jump back in for, for the coach's corner uh, again next year. And I need, I need to talk to you uh, a little bit about that because there were a couple of dates that um, I, I'd sent a, a message back to you about uh um, changing them because they were they were blocked out, but uh, the other dates, uh, as I already uh, referenced, uh, were fine. But we'll we'll communicate uh, at a later point about those. Um, but yeah. uh, lots of good lots of good stuff, Matthew, and and I want to thank you as well uh, for all that uh, that you've done uh, since you've been joining in on the program. I enjoy uh, having you uh, uh, share your thoughts and input, and it's it's kind of nice. You know, what's interesting, Matthew, about having you on the program is. Um, you're coming in from really a different perspective. Uh, you've you've spent a, a good majority of your life, of course, over in the UK and, and other areas uh, outside of the United States, and you've now, uh, for lack of better words, migrated here to the United States and, and bring a lot of <laughs> well, bring a lot of knowledge um, from yeah. from another area, um, which is going to help and give a different perspective to your students. So that that's some great work, and I enjoy sharing that knowledge and expertise on the show as well. So thank you, Ma- uh, Matthew, for for all that uh, you do to help. 
Ah, thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's great fun to be on. Well, I appreciate it. Um, Matthew, I'm going to let you go. Um, I, I've just got a few moments here. I'm going to close out with a short message uh, to the listeners and so forth, and then we're going to wrap up the last show uh, of Golf Talk Live for the 2015 season. So with that, Matthew, Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year to you and yours and, and all uh, all uh, the success and, and well wishes for, for the 2016 season uh, to both you and, and your partner there. And uh, as I said, I look forward to having you back on the show, and we'll we'll communicate uh, about the other dates and that. But uh, we we need to certainly make a, a point of uh, of meeting, uh, if not down at the PGA show, uh, certainly uh, sometime in the new year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, happy Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, and a happy New Year to you. It's been great being on the show, and I look forward to uh, a lot of good shows next year. Perfect. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Matthew, for for jumping in. And uh, have a great, uh, a great uh, evening and, and great uh, holiday season. And I look forward to having you come back uh, on Golf Talk Live in the new year. Brilliant. Appreciate it, Ted. I'll speak to you Not soon. A... All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, and that was uh, Matthew Cook, uh, also a great uh, teacher professional and coach uh, in the golf profession that, that joined us here uh, a little bit later in the show. And uh, always uh, enjoy uh, having these guys come on. Uh, they do some some great work and uh, helping the students out there. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, going to have a little shorter program here. I'm just going to take a few moments uh, that we only have a few left, really. Um, so I wanted to talk about very briefly a, a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, going to be some changes to the program next year. Of course, we're still going to have, as, as I've mentioned, uh, still going to have Coach's Corner uh, next year. That'll be starting up again. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the last show uh, for the 2015 season, uh, Golf Talk Live will be uh, rebroadcasting and, and airing again um, for the 2016 season, uh, the week of uh, January 5th. Uh, January 5th, I believe, is a Tuesday, which uh, will be the Women of Golf show, of course, that I uh, co-host with the LPGA professional Cindy Miller. I believe that'll be our first show for the Women of Golf show. And then the Thursday, which I believe is the 7th, uh, will be the first show. So I believe it's the 5th and the 7th will be the first two shows uh, in January that will be starting up. So we're taking a, a break, obviously, through the, the Christmas holidays to, to regroup and, and spend time with family and friends and that sort of uh, thing and, and enjoy some Christmas cheer. So um, we'll be taking a little bit of a few weeks uh, hiatus and then we'll be right back into it in January. Coach's Corner, of course, will be coming back in, I believe the first uh, episode is March the 3rd. Uh, we'll be starting up the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, going to be a little bit different this year. Um, really want to try and encourage to get people more involved in in that uh, concept. So what we're going to do is I'm going to be um, having some contests throughout the year uh, to get uh, a lot of folks involved into the into the uh, coaches corner panel discussions. So uh, I'll be talking about that uh, in the uh, first couple of months. We'll be talking about that um, some of the contests that are going to be available um, for you to participate in. How you participate is uh, whether you call into the program or email uh, questions uh, into the show into the panel and. Uh, uh, we'll have a, a, a contest format laid out, of course, ahead of time. Uh, but uh, we want, obviously, more interaction with the, with the audience. Uh, certainly some shows, we've had some great uh, interaction from people calling in and, and speaking with guests and that. But uh, we want to get the Coach's Corner uh, panel discussions uh, a little bit more involved with some of the listeners out there. So this is going to be a great way. We're going to have some great contests throughout the year. So uh, stay tuned, and, and uh, as I said, I'll, I'll announce those uh, as we get into the new year uh, before it starts up. And Coach's Corner, as I said, will start up on March 3rd. Um, one of the other things, too, uh, that I'm going to be doing is uh, we're going to be following up here uh, in the new year, and I'm going to be 
uh, following some of the careers, uh, we're going to be lining up with uh, some great uh, up-and-coming uh, young golf professionals who are uh, either currently uh, working their way out to, to get on tour, uh, maybe they're playing in the mini tours or, or, or uh, one of the uh, tours uh, springboarding them to the either the PGA or LPGA, and we're going to be following uh, very closely and having them come on the show and talk about their journey, which I thought would be very interesting uh, to let the folks uh that uh, not only follow them already, uh, but get a, a, a player's perspective of some of the, the difficult challenges that they face. I thought it would be very interesting for the audience to listen and give you a chance to follow some players and as they take their journey or through their career. So that's something that we're going to be doing with a, a few of the players next year. And I'll, again, we'll announce those names once they've been finalized. We've got some, um, uh, some in the pike right now, but I don't want to release anything until I've got them firmed up 100%. Um, one of the other things that I'm going to be doing as well in uh, 2016 is really to help, uh, I want to help, uh, as I've done with the show for the last several years, uh, to help launch and promote um, new and interesting uh, ways to help grow the game. Uh, not just some, some new concepts, but new things to the industry. Uh, and we'll talk about more of that after I've come back from the PGA show. I'm going to do a very extensive uh, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be going to the PGA show. Uh, for those of you that are in the golf profession that uh, go down to the show, of course, that's in Jan- the last week of January. Um, and I'm going to be there, I believe it's the 26th or 27th, whatever the Tuesday is. I'll be coming in sometime on the Tuesday and then uh, leaving out on Friday. And I'll actually be doing a broadcast on the Thursday night there, um, a short broadcast, of course, but um, during the, the um, after hours of the uh, PGA show on the Thursday night. Uh, but I'm going to take a very close look and and uh, and speak with some of the people at the, presenting at the show and some of the other professionals there, and uh, <clears throat> come up with some some great uh, ideas and things like that that we can help grow the game. And I'm going to showcase them on the program because that's really what Golf Talk Live is really all about: is showcasing. Um, it's not about me as as much as uh, what people might think. It's really about helping grow the game and help getting others' messages out there. Um, and this is merely, as I've said many, many times, really just a vessel for me uh, in order to do that. Uh, so we're going to be doing about that. Uh, I'm also going to be launching a new uh, website uh, coming here shortly in the new year as well. Uh, the website will be tedjodorico.com, and uh, I won't go through the spelling right now, but I'll make sure that that's uh, put through on social media. Uh, and uh, there's going to be an online lesson um, uh, called In the Cup, uh, which for those of you that uh, aren't in my uh, local areas, uh, for me to be able to work with uh, directly, uh, you'll be able to uh, work with me through an online program and be able to actually book uh, your your um, uh, uh, lessons and so forth. Excuse me, my tongue was tied. Uh, lessons and so forth for the online platform and for uh, for uh, person-to-person uh, through an online booking uh, system as well. So uh, lots of great things um, that I'm going to be doing in the new year. And, uh, of course, we're going to be starting up, as I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, the uh, Women of Golf show, Cindy Miller and I are going to be doing some great things as well. We're going to be having some contests on there, and we really want to uh, encourage some participation from from those of you. So here's what I'm going to ask of you folks uh, that are tuning into the program uh, each and every week. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to, to get more involved in the program, to certainly reach out to me here. Uh, if you've listened to the program and maybe you've got some great uh, ideas uh, for future shows, uh, you can reach me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And if it's uh, maybe an interesting topic or a guest you'd like to see on the show, uh, just put that in the subject line that it's uh, with reference to uh, a, a 
a guest you'd like to see on the show or maybe a topic you'd like to uh, to see, just put that in the subject line and then you can get into more details um, through the uh, the uh, text of the email. You can get into more specifics of what you'd like to see. Um, but we want to encourage you to also call into the program. Uh, the number, of course, is uh, area code 646-716-4667. Uh, and I'll be putting that out there uh, as well more. And going to be partnering with uh, a great company, uh, Ontic Golf. Uh, we'll tell you more about that as well in the new year. Uh, working in, uh, as you've heard me mention, and I will again uh, tonight as I close out the program, I've had a great, uh, they've been great supporters. Mr. Bernie Pinder, of course, is the founder and uh, and president of uh, Ontic Golf, which uh, produces a great line of uh, custom-designed putters, and we'll be hearing more about that as well. In fact, I've just put together a brand-new website for them, which gets to me to my other point. Um, for those of you in the golf profession particularly, um, if you're looking to update or um, maybe create a new website. Um, this is something that uh, I've done and done for a while. Um, I'm more than eager to to help you. So if you're interested in, in uh, maybe having me uh, revamp what you currently are working with and uh, or come up with a whole new concept uh, of website for your golf business, um, feel free to reach out to me. Again, you can email me through ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, this is something I'm going to be doing a little bit more uh, aggressively in the new year as well. So if you're interested in, in having me take a look at that and, and um, find ways that we can work together to help you uh, revamp your website, I'll be more than happy to uh, to help you there. So you can reach me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So you will be working a lot of things uh, in the new year, uh, but I also uh, want to thank all of you for, for all of your continued support um, for this 2015 season. I, I, I truly mean this uh, from all of my heart. Um, I certainly do enjoy uh, having all of the listeners worldwide. Uh, thank you for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. And I really do have a, a, a enjoy and, and get a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment from having a, a highly, uh, having a number of highly talented coaches and teacher pros, authors and, and entrepreneurs uh, come on the program. And it's really, as I've said many, many times, it's really through their participation and guest appearances that help make Golf Talk Live a, a first-class show. Um, more and more listeners are coming on each week. Pass the link around. Uh, it's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live uh, for the Golf Talk Live and forward slash, again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Women of Golf uh, for the Tuesday morning show, which airs from 9 to 10 uh, a.m. Eastern Time, and as you know, Golf Talk Live is normally 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time or 7 to 9 uh, for those of you on the East Coast. So make sure you share that, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and go uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. The two great programs. Uh, I'll have more information on uh, those as well uh, coming out in the new year, some of the things that we're going to be doing with it. And also on my new uh, website, tedjodorico.com. Uh, I will have um, not only the links on there, but I will also have uh, a uh, player so that you can actually uh, listen to the programs right from my, my website if you want. Uh, each and every week you can tune in uh, for both the programs. There will be a, a media player there uh, that you can tune in and listen to the broadcasts uh, each and every week. So thank you very much uh, for all of your continued support, as I said. And a special thank you to some of the sponsors and supporters of the program. Mr. Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide. Uh, big supporter of the program and thank you Jonathan for all of your uh, continued support through 2015. You can go to southcoastgolfguide.com if you're interested in getting a copy of his uh, publication which is a great publication and finding out more about some of the great specials that uh, many of the courses that advertise and promote themselves in his guide uh, here in the southeastern part of the United States literally from Texas right over here to Florida. 
uh, and all states in between. Uh, some great information in that guide. So go to southcoastgolfguide.com. And also uh, Meredith Kirk uh, from Meredith Kirk Golf. Uh, you can get in touch with her through meredithkirk.com. She's a great, uh, not only a great uh, uh, LPGA uh, instructor, uh, but she was also the 2014 Mrs. South Carolina winner and uh, just a great uh, young lady and does so much uh, good work for, for junior golf as well as uh, helping uh, those improve their game. Uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland, thank you again for all of your continued support in 2015. Thank you very much for uh, spreading the word and, and uh, just sharing uh, all of the uh, links and so forth uh, through social media. Um, I appreciate that very much. Uh, and as I mentioned, Mr. Bernie Pinder, who I've been working very closely with here the last few weeks, um, we're going to be uh, getting involved uh, together in the new year, I'm going to be helping them uh, uh, really uh, come out with some creative ideas to continue to further their brand and development uh, of the Ontic uh, putter uh, line. So stay tuned for that. And uh, as I said, we'll be launching here literally any day now uh, their new website, which I uh, personally put together. So uh, you get a chance to see uh, some of that as well. Mr. Sean Kelly, uh, owner of LinkedGolfers.com, thank you very much for all of your um, support as well. And Mr. Peter Doyle, last but not least, uh, from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland. Thank you very much uh, for all of your continued support as well. And uh, we'll be hearing more about uh, him as well in the new year. So um, on that note, I'm going to close out the program, the last show of 2015. I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody uh, once again for tuning in to Golf Talk Live and the Women of Golf Show each and every week here in 2015. And on behalf of Cindy Miller uh, and myself, Um, For the women of golf, thank you. And, of course, on behalf of me, uh, yours truly, uh, host of Golf Talk Live, thank you very much for all of your continued support, and I look forward to you joining me back here early in January on Golf Talk Live. Thanks again. Have a great uh, holiday. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Again, thank you and God bless for your support, and uh, I look forward to seeing you and talking with you in the new year. Thank you.